good morning and good afternoon, depending on wherever you at the time of this recording. This is episode 36 of the Restrict His Own podcast, and I'm with two of my co-hosts right now. Go ahead, Kyrie, introduce yourself, man. Yo, yo, what's going on, guys? Absolutely. And Jamar, introduce yourself, man. What's up? What's up, everybody? Thanks for having me, Kyle. You know, you know the vibes, magic. So you know, uh, two two of the guys, two of two of the crew aren't here today, but they will be back in the next episode. But before before we start diving into our usual, it's gonna be basketball heavy. Uh, we want to touch on some very important things. First and first off, Terrence Clark, rest in peace to him, and re- and may God bless his family. I know his mother's going through it right now. You know, uh, even though I harshly criticized them on the show, uh, that was just strictly basketball. Uh, as a human being, you know, he's always been has been viewed as someone with a bright smile, infectious. He lit the room up, his personality. He just kept your head up. He was a guy you wanted to have as a brother. More importantly, you wanted to have as a friend. And just to hear how he was just short from coming, achieving his goals and doing what he wanted to do in life uh, is just really, is really disheartening. And it's also like a fresh reminder to understand that, you know, the biggest mistake that we all think we have is time, you know, just because, you know, all of us are young, we're all in our early twenties. We always think, you know, we have time and, you know, it's, it was just like a lot of slap in the face, like a resounding slap to make us understand. You don't know what can happen tomorrow or even today, an hour from now, minutes from now, you don't know what could happen. So you got to live, you got to take every opportunity you can and just live the life that you, you know, to the best of your ability. So rest in peace to Terrence Clark. I know his mother will pull through this. I know it's going to be a long process, but with God right at his side, she will do it. So God bless his family. Yeah, Colin, you made a lot of great points. Um, a guy like him coming out of high school that was highly touted um, early in the season, he was seen to be a, even a lottery pick. And um, like you said, we criticized him a lot along with the rest of Kentucky. They had a pretty bad season, but he was still seen, he was still viewed to be a draft pick. And, uh, it's just very unfortunate he's not able to achieve that dream that a lot of us had growing up of reaching to the NBA, playing in the NBA, making sure our family streets and doing what we love to do and play basketball. It's a shame he was about two, three months shy. But um, yeah, like you, you like I, like you said, Colin, you pretty much nailed it. Uh, prayers up for his family. You know, it's just it's just really unfortunate. Like you said, we got to be really be mindful of the time that we have here, be mindful of the people that we have in our lives. Absolutely, man. And, and, you know, Mar, I, I know this one affected you a lot. He was a guy you really watched as a college player. I mean, just give out your thoughts on that, man, about, you know, his recent passing. Yeah, man. I mean, like you said, Colin, I mean, people people say stuff, but they mean it on a basketball level or basketball terms. Him as a human being, man, he was blessed to actually, you know, see Kentucky. You know, everybody doesn't get that chance. So, I mean, just like Kyrie said, I mean, he didn't get to live out his full dream that everybody has, and that was unfortunate. But, you know, I just want to um say rest in peace to him and send my condolences to his family. Yeah, and, and absolutely, man. Now, I want to give a big shout-out to Coach Cal. Coach Cal went all the way to meet his family. He's staying with his family right now as we speak, comforting the mother. You know, Coach Cal, you know, a lot of people are going to criticize him, but he's a guy who he treats all his players like they're his own blood, his flesh and blood as his sons. And, you know, even for him, this got to be extremely tough for him because, you know, uh, him him and Terrence Clark, even though the people might make it seem like they had an issue when it came to his injury, 
uh, that wasn't the case, you know, as Coach Count, uh, he made a statement uh, earlier today and it's definitely something that, you know, I fully expected of Coach Cal. He wouldn't do something like that to his players. He's never have and he won't do it. And it's just a shame that for Coach Cal to lose one of his sons like that. But once again, uh, rest in peace to Terrence Clark. He's in a better place now. He can watch over his family. And my condolences go to his family as well. So now, sure. absolutely. So, but we're going to move on. We're going to make a transition. We're going to talk about some of the social, social stuff, social justices that has been going around. So, I don't know. Many of you guys may, you know, if you haven't followed us on Instagram, when we put our uh, Instagram names uh, beneath the description or even on Instagram, when we put our names, uh, all of us are young African-American males uh, in our early 20s. So we've paid very attention to the social changes and justices that are happening around America, uh, especially for Derek Chauvin, uh, Derek Chauvin. So recently, I'm sure everyone's you know, it's been made clear he's been convicted, uh, I believe, 40 years. Am I correct? 40 or is it less than that? I think um, it's 40. I think it is uh, up to 40 years, but he hasn't been sentenced yet. Definitely. Yeah. Right. So that's just based off the charges list that he could be convicted of or he will eventually get convicted of. Uh, and I thought that was something that should have been done. Uh, it was very I wouldn't say it was handled properly. Uh, he did get convicted in the end. It was a little bit of worry that maybe the U.S. system would have let him go away scot-free. But unfortunately, I mean, fortunately, that wasn't the case, and God bless for that. But honestly, uh, is something else happened that was made notice of that is not the only time he has put his knee and deliberately killed a human young African-American being. Uh, reports have been made back in 2017. He did it to a, a teenager, a 14-year-old teenager. He did the same thing, which probably didn't get them the attention that it is now because, you know, maybe it was happening in broad, in broad daylight and many people were there to see it. But it has been shown that he's done it to a 14-year-old kid. Uh, they're looking at that too. So he could be getting another uh, couple more years added to that, which uh, is no sympathy for me, honestly. Uh and also, I want to touch on Makia Bryant. You know, it's just awful to think that you call for help because that's what police officers are for, to help. And not only do they not do their job, they took a life that it, it just it just makes me sick. You know, I constantly think, man, like what her family's going through just to be in that situation. You call for help to someone to help you protect your life. She was getting jumped by a bunch of girls. She had a knife in her hand trying to defend yourself. I'm sure you guys know girls fights is very ugly, especially when it comes to getting jumped. It gets very dangerous. You could potentially lose your life. And she called for help and and what she got was she got sent. She got sent to, to heaven. Uh, and it's just really awful. Ironically, that also happened on the same day uh, Derek Chauvin uh, was in trial, got convicted. Yep. So, yep. Same exact day. So it was like a resounding slap once again to make us understand as young African men, young African American men, that uh, this it's not over. We still have a long, bitter fight to go. Uh, it just doesn't stop, you know. And honestly, the fact that we have to cheer and celebrate because something that should be honestly is without a doubt, no hesitation, he should be convicted of. We're all holding our thumbs 
paying attention and so nervous, palms are sweaty because we actually feel like they might just let this man go walk away scot-free. I mean, it's been done too many times, you know, if they even been took in a trial to begin with. But, I mean, I want to swing it up to, uh, to Kyrie. Like, just, just give me your thoughts and then Mark. No, Colin, you definitely made a lot of great points. Like you said, we have it's, it's a long battle to go. And um, it's, it's, it's no wonder, like, like you said, as young African-American men, we, we don't really trust law enforcement or pe- people don't understand why we don't trust law enforcement or the legal justice system. But we see that it fails us and fails us and fails us consistently. It seems year after year, month after month, there's a new name that, uh, that, that becomes a hashtag. And um, like you said, like, it, 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 it doesn't seem like there's like a, it doesn't seem like there's an end in sight. And even though, yeah, uh, Derek Trump, he did get convicted for something that's obviously murder, which shouldn't have even gone through a lengthy trial as it has. But um, that's I, I don't I don't really see that as progress. I, I don't see anything as to be like like happy for it, chill for it. It's, it's, it's sad. That man lost his life. And uh, yeah, it's just very unfortunate that the, the the traumatic events that's just been happening in the black communities lately. And we, we, we us ourselves, we, we do need to step up, but the, the legal uh, the legal system and the justice involved has also has to step up too. And, and you made some great points. Like, you know, once again, that is their job to step up and handle the situation accordingly. And then once again, we're going to be sitting there, palm sweaty, just looking at this. Like, are they really going to convict uh, the officer who, who took that girl's life? I mean, Mar, I mean, you, I know you got a lot to get off your chest. Go ahead, Mar. I mean, I do, but you guys really said everything. And I really don't want to repeat myself or really get into anything else about it because you guys really, uh, you know, covered everything mostly. I mean, it's, it's just heavy hearts, man. It's just really heavy hearts. And, you know, like I said, one only thing we could do is just step-by-step step progress and, you know, just be hopeful for a change sometime in the future. I don't know, maybe we'll be the generation to see it, but somewhere down the line. Hopefully there might be a complete change in the system and how the treatment to our African-Americans. But until then, we just got to keep fighting. We just have to fight and just and fight for a change. Now, we're going to also touch on Mark Davis, the Raiders owner. Uh, he made a tweet. Uh, the tweet has uh, been taken down, of course, obviously. Uh, it's very controversial. Uh, he tweeted, I can breathe. Now, depending on, you know, your perspective of it, some people may say he was mocking or it was, you know, it could have been completely harmless. In his, in, in his, in his defense, he said it was not meant to be disrespectful in any way, shape, or form. But uh, honestly speaking, I, I'm, I'm not, I really don't know how to feel about it otherwise. I mean, I mean, Kyrie, like, what do you think? There, he, there's no reason he's re, there, he should be receiving backlash for this. I feel like people just took it in the wrong context. I feel like that the tweet being made from the Raiders account saying, I can breathe now, excuse me, um, I can breathe, was kind of like saying that we can breathe as a sigh of relief. Like if, like, like we said, like I said before, like the justice system has completely failed us. Like you said, Colin, there's been times where police officers gotten off consistently and, when, and one finally got convicted. So it's kind of like, that's a, it's a sigh of relief now. Like we're, we're finally seeing the justice. We're finally seeing somewhat progress to when it comes when it comes to on our black men being killed. And uh, not to mention, I, I had a friend actually tell me this that Mark Davis's father, Al Davis, who you, uh, who was also an owner of the Oakland Raiders, um, back in the day, 
he had the him and the Oakland Raiders organization were like a big part in the civil rights movement back in the day, back in the 60s and the 70s and stuff like that. And um, he was even the first NFL owner to hire um, an African-American head coach. So it when you have a background like that and your organization has a background like that to where they're active in social justice issues, I don't think that that tweet should be taken in such context or malicious context. Hey, oh, you know what? I hear your points. I mean, I, I want to see Mars, uh, see Mars' viewpoint, and then you know, I, I'll see. Uh, I'll go. I'll go from there. Go ahead, Mar. Um, when I first saw, it, my initial reaction was like furious. Like it wasn't like really furious. It was more shocking than like just appalled because I was just like for the situation, like how the situation unfolded. And for those words to be selected, it was just like, I mean, you could have did better. But once I saw, like, the other perspective of it, like, the other meaning of it, like, saying, like, a breath of, like, relief of fresh air, like, I still took in part to, like, well, the situation that happened in hand was, like, uncalled for. And on top of that, it was a situation where the person couldn't breathe. So I just... I was just really shocked and I just really couldn't understand like why that was chosen to be the selective words that like really that had to be used. Mm, well, no, actually looking at both. I mean, wait, Kyrie, you want to, you want to say something? No, no, you go ahead. Dollar. Right. So honestly speaking, I feel like now I didn't I didn't know that what Kyrie had provided too actually so now it kind of shifted my my you know opinion I thought I mean I wasn't really angry towards him I just felt like it was one of those it's just the wrong wrong time you know it was just the right it was just a wrong time you know it was just misinterpreted you know and like Mark said like I was initially furious too like Mark I was initially furious but then you know uh. And then I started calming myself down, looking at it. Okay, I can breathe now, you know, but it was just really the timing of it. You know, we've all said stuff at the wrong timing of it when our intentions were completely misinterpreted. So, you know, I'm going to give him uh, some slack, but go ahead, Kyrie. No, I was about to say, you guys both made great points. And I and I can definitely see it being like the wrong time or like a too soon type of moment because what we've seen with the, with the murder of George Floyd was graphic. And uh, I just feel like, because it was so graphic, because it was so it was so like publicized and it, it was everywhere. You can, it was even shown during the trial at, at, at sometimes, and it was in your face pretty much. Something like that coming out as early and like you like you said, more kind of like the the wording of it. I could I could definitely see why somebody would misinterpret it like that. But just me personally, like I feel like the just like on a personal, level, I feel like whoever is tweeting that, whoever was behind that account, had the common sense to to not have malicious intent behind that, to have good intentions behind what they're tweeting, given the sensitive like moments that we're in right now. You know what I mean? So, so I like, I like, I, I definitely had that moment too, like where I paused and was kind of like, like, like what's up with this? But at the same time, like I kind of, I took it to like, an, I, I just immediately looked at a different perspective and because it, it just made, it just made more sense to me. Okay. All right. I mean, and, and honestly, uh, and like you said, you know, uh, yeah, you know, when you provided that background uh, of, his, you know, I really didn't know that. So that kind of helped me sway it a little bit towards, you know, maybe it's not. It was just really the wrong time into that. But, you know, uh, it's definitely something that 
this is also a reminder for all of us, not just us, uh, that we just have to be careful what we tweet and say, you know, just especially we have to be observant of the situation and, you know, the timing of it. And you got to also be aware of like what's going around the world, you know, so you don't, you know, what you miss, miss, you know, what you tweet doesn't get misinterpreted or, you know, you feel people attack you because they feel like you're being negative or disrespectful or harmful and et cetera like that. So just another reminder, all of these are just life lessons for all of us, you know, that we just got to take in stride and definitely try to move forward with it. And we keep in our minds so that, you know, you know, we can avoid, uh, you know, more, more troubles and problems in, in the future. So, but uh, so we definitely wanted to talk about that as young African-American male. This is a sports podcast. We do talk about sports, but we are also young African-Americans and we will touch on social justices and whatever is going on. So, sure. but with that being said, we're going to finally move on to some basketball. We're going to talk about the NBA title odds, uh, new NBA title odds and, you know, our predictions to who we think might win the NBA championship. I mean, um, I want to start off with Mar. I mean, who do you honestly feel like, you know, who you believe can be the NBA championship in 2021 and why you feel like they they make such a strong case to win that championship? Um, Well, you know, record. You know, I still believe the Nets can win it, but I see other teams now having a strong possibility now, like, you know, that they're kind of weak right now. Well, then going forward with James Harden being out indefinitely. So I feel like Philly has their chance this year to get that championship before, like, you know, next season starts again. Or depending if the Lakers um get stronger too. And I also see the Lakers, you know, also going back now. But those are really the only two teams I can say because the Nuggets, you know, they lost Jamal Murray. The Clippers, they have a hard time in the playoffs just as an overall franchise. So I could, I really see the Lakers and Philly stepping up to take the championship now with, uh, you know, James Harden being out indefinitely. Okay, that's definitely fair. I mean, Kyrie, what's your, what, what's your, what's your thoughts on that? No, definitely. Uh, I definitely agree with, with what Mar said. And uh, considering the injuries, which will be talk, which will uh, will be talking about later, um, pertaining to playoff teams, it's, it's really hindered a lot of teams so far this season. Like you mentioned, Denver, um, who weren't really having a, a fantastic year per se until uh, they got Aaron Gordon, but Jamal Murray went out around the same time, so they're still kind of fighting an uphill battle. The Lakers, who, who fell to the fifth seed. Um, they finally got AD back, but they're they're two star players about for a while. So seeding, I feel like it's gonna be it's gonna be a major factor into to the final like to the to the finals uh matchup that we see. But I I, I still want to put my money on Brooklyn, seeing that they're all healthy, all three of them, James Harden, Kyrie, and uh and Kevin Durant all healthy and able to play together and still be cohesive with their new uh additions that they had also while guys were out. I still see them uh, pulling out cha- like the championship this season, but I think the Lakers, they're really going to have to fight and they're really going to have to scrap being that they're rated at a lower seed. And right now, if the playoffs were to start today, they'd be playing the Nuggets. So that'd be a tough series going in first round. Then you're probably going to play a stronger team in the second round. So it's, it's, it's really going really to be tough to, uh, to see, but I still, I still think Brooklyn uh, has the higher odds. 
Man, man, Mar, I thought you was Team Brooklyn, man. You Kyrie's defending your team. What's going on here, man? I said I still believe we can win it, but I'm saying Philly well, and LA have a strong case. The way you said it was just the confidence wasn't how Kyrie's confidence. But was. but it's it's not. It's I don't even have a like a whole bunch of confidence because this year's a toss up. To be honest with you, it's really because of all the injuries and just like the type of season that we're seeing. Like with the limited crowd and stuff like that, so like there's a lot of teams that we really expected to be good, and they they didn't really pan out, like the Mavericks or the, the Atlanta Hawks, kind of, to an extent. So there's some teams that had championship aspirations, or some teams that had even conference championship aspirations that are looking like they're out of it, or they could even make a push when they get the guys healthy. But it it, it all depends on uh on these players' health. Like it, it's really a toss up right now. Well, I mean, honestly, yeah, I mean, looking at the Hawks, I mean, Clint Capella, Trey Young, Chris Dunn, Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunton, the Celtics, Robert Williams, Jalen Brown. Uh, then those, but those are like, uh, Jalen Brown could be back. So Brooklyn Nets, I mean, LaMarcus Aldridge just retired. He had a irregular heartbeat, but I don't, yeah. I don't know how much of a factor he would have been. I mean, what, I mean, we might have talked about this. But how? What do you got? I mean, Marcus Aldridge retiring. How much does that hurt the Nets? Honestly, I don't think it necessarily hurts them. But he, he, I'm not gonna say he didn't help them either. I don't think it necessarily hurt them though, because uh, a lot of what he's done, he, they're pretty much getting from Blake now off the bench. He's not playing great, or he, he's not putting up like big numbers, but he's serviceable in his role, is which is what we expected off the bench. And LaMarcus Aldridge is kind of the same thing, but he just has a higher tendency to, to explode more for points, which the Nets don't really need. What they really need is defense and size in the paint. So I don't think they didn't lose. They didn't really lose any defense parting ways or having LaMarcus Aldridge uh, retire on, on them. They just lost an extra scoring punch, which they, which they really didn't need. They already have like three of the best scorers of all time. So. Yeah, basically what Kyrie said, they didn't really lose anything, but I don't really see him helping like in a huge way. Maybe just depth in that case, but I didn't really see them losing anything really, really important. That'll make them like, you know, not be the favorites or fall under like, you know, crumble under the pressure. I mean, and then the Nuggets, Jamal Murray's out for the season. Will Barton could be back. Uh, by Saturday, I'm just looking at, you know, the Donovan Lakers. Mitchell's out too for the Jazz. I know Donovan Mitchell and the Lakers. Uh, well, Dennis Schroeder could be he injured his foot. Mark Gasol, Andre Drummond, Anthony Davis. I mean, the injury like crazy. No, so it's like you know, I mean, honestly, it's uh, it's just been a rough. Why do you think a lot of players are being injured? Do you think it comes down to, I guess, like the diets of the players, or is it the the, the 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 physicality of the game or like what do you think contributes to like such a high injury because this is one of them like th these injuries are actually pretty high i mean this just doesn't make any sense what happened mark it just doesn't make any sense it really just doesn't make i mean because it's like it's just popping up like out of nowhere it's like what do you think contributes to that Kyrie? like I think uh, wait, hold on, wait, hold on, wait, go ahead, Mark. No, go, ahead. go ahead, go ahead, Kyrie. Go ahead, Kyrie. No, I, I was about to say because a, a, like a lot of the names that you read off, Colin, um, those are high usage players. And those are and a lot of those players, they played even when you when you look at other players like Dame and CJ and uh Nurkis, the Blazers have been banged up too. A lot of those teams, especially Western Conference teams, they played deep into the season, into the bubble last season. 
So they didn't really have a lot of recovery time. So I, I think that's one of the main factors. But it's, I think it's just the fact that a lot of these guys that we are seeing, even like Zach Levine, that, that's out. They're, they're just high usage players. So I think their probability for, for injury is, is just higher than, than, than other players you would see. And they might, they just might, uh, uh, they probably just getting overplayed too much. You see a lot of guys are getting arrested, like Kawhi's getting arrested right now. Um, OG and Anubi for the Toronto Raptors, even though they're probably not going to do anything unless they make a play in, they, they, he's getting arrested too. So a lot of players are getting arrested now because it's getting to that time of the season where you really need your guys ready and healthy to make that last push for the playoffs and into the playoffs. I believe it's how many games in this season left? 13, 12 games? Or around that. I think around like the 15 range. Yeah, like like you said, like 12, 12 to 15 games. Uh Mar, you had something to add. Let me let me swing it back to you, Mar. What 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 do you want to add uh to that? I mean, I was basically gonna say what Cut Reese says. Like, I mean, these are people that are um playing a, a whole incredible minutes, and some of these people are trying to weld their team into the playoff spot. And some of these people are just trying to play for um you know, their contracts by the episode, they're just trying to play for contracts. So people are going to get hurt and see people are going to get injured. But at this rate and at this point, like, I really don't understand. Like, it's just, it's just so many people. It's just so many MVP favorites that got hurt. Like, that part was the part I really just didn't understand. Man, so just looking at it from that standpoint and what you had said too, Mar, I want to touch on I, I want to touch on that. Uh, you said honestly, this might be the chance for the Sixers to like really make that run for a championship, obviously, uh discluding the Nets. But we have the Bucks, they don't even have any injuries, no no injured player on the team. So I mean, we're talking about healthy wise, because you know, uh what was that saying? Come on, man, help me out. What was that saying? The best, the best, the best ability the, is the best ability is availability. Right. So now the Bucks don't have any injuries and they looking like they might cause a storm. Do you guys feel like the Bucks can make any make any noise or I mean for sure? Cause I was see I was watching them I was just watching them play the Sixers uh earlier. And even though the Sixers are down, they had Ben Simmons out who was sick, and I guess they're game managing uh Joel and B. So it was just Tobias Harris out there. But the Bucks really looked like after they got into their groove and like into their consistency, because Philly, regardless, is a great defense defensive team. Um once they really figured out what they wanted to do and how to how they wanted to attack the paint with Joel not being out there, um, they they really were a cohesive unit. Giannis was his same dominant self. Um, Drew Holiday just fits in perfectly there, being a, a good facilitator, being able to break down the defense and get his own bucket, which Giannis really needed in point guard. So I think I think they are well built. I think they're really underrated in that sense, but I think they are well built to at least compete for a conference championship or or even reach that championship like that they that we've been asking from them that we've been needed from them. Okay. All right. The Bucks looking like a threat from Kyrie's eyes. I mean, Mario, what do you think about the Bucks? You think I mean, I mean we got the MVP, we got the former MVP, so I mean, well, I was watching the same game Kyrie was watching earlier, and they didn't turn the switch on to the second half because it was a pretty close game. And that was the part I wasn't understanding. Like the Sixers were only playing Tobias Harris and he wasn't even having a good game. And Giannis had like a double-double at the half, but they weren't even up that much. And, like, the Sixers were staying in the game. And it took them, like, like five, like four to five minutes in the third quarter to kind of figure it out and go on that run, which, you know, put the game away. But they were supposed to do that. They were supposed to do that from the tip-off. And so, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you said that, Mark, because when it was coming up to halftime and they were damn near tied up, I was, I was yelling at the TV, this game should be as close as it is. 
So yeah, I'm glad you highlighted that because that's I, I feel like that speaks to more Milwaukee's weaknesses rather than the Sixers' strengths defensively. Yeah, because like I said, they were supposed to do that, but it took them to the second half. I don't know if it was Mike Budenholzer or I don't know if like the Bucks were just they they just didn't know what to do yet. But they were supposed to do that from the tip off, and I'm not really impressed that they did it. I'm kind of more upset that they did it so late in the game. So they're kind of. I feel like they can, you know, compete, but I feel like they're just they're just into a system that's too predictable, and they already know, and like some teams already know how to handle that. Well, more importantly, some teams know how to handle the Greek freak. I mean, so what do you guys think about his game so far uh, this season? Like, what have you saw from? You think any development, any changes to his game, or you feel like he's the same old the Greek freak? Uh, just strength, gonna attack the paint going to dominate so so i feel like we are in a lot of respects seeing the same what we've seen from the past couple seasons but i've seen that he's giving a lot of effort into expanding his game in certain like in certain aspects like he's trying to shoot even though he's not shooting it great he's trying to shoot a lot more threes and he's trying to get himself into a rhythm shooting threes uh during the games which is which could attribute to their slow starts because he usually doesn't start off well he usually has to get himself into a groove but even like that his free throw shooting, he's been improving on even his passing ability. He's been a lot, a lot less selfish um, when he's driving into the paint. He doesn't really get as much tunnel vision like he used to. So I think I, I, he, he's definitely a player you need. On, he's definitely a championship caliber player, MVP caliber player, as we've seen. And um, I think he, he's going to be the main reason for the Bucks for the Bucks' success. But is is that is that three pointer that he has to get the drop more consistently to really like make them an overwhelming threat? All right, all right, that's pretty sound. I mean, listen, so now I got to keep a lookout for the Bucks. No injuries, and then the way they played. Oh, wait, I hold on, Mar. I got to ask the next guy here. Man, did you see Julius Randle, man? 31, and wait, what's been going that's on a, with you, uh, Yeah, He's the most improved player, and I'm going to leave it at that. And, man, co- and, and, and Tibbs is really trying to push himself into that coach of the year, uh, coach of the year talk. Man, like Mar, this man Juju, man, like the Knicks really got some hope here, man. Like they could really, like, I, I don't think if they really came, I don't think could they beat the Nets in the game. I don't know. We had a fierce debate about that. I'm still fifty fifty on that. I feel like if they faced the number one C team, they probably would get swept. But so, I, so, so right now, Colin, and we were talking. And I'm glad you brought that up because we're we were talking about that back when they were like a seventh, eighth seed. But right now they're the fourth seed, and then like I'll make the comparison again. If they if the playoffs were to start today, they'd be playing the Atlanta Hawks, and that that's not a first round matchup. I'm really I'd really be looking forward to. But uh, what what do you guys think? How do you I guys think like, that will end up? Wait, go ahead, Mar. Answer that one, Mar, because I feel like because me I I think the Knicks will win that. Now, how many games? Well, Trey Young's not on the Hawks, but I don't want to still put the Hawks away like dismiss them. I mean, Mar. So, what's your thoughts on that? I got the Knicks in seven. Knicks in seven. I got. Like, I like. I like Julius Randle this season. He's been. I mean, he covered on my ticket today, so I have no problems with. Him. So I. So I know he gets busy. So I mean, I know he gets busy. So I got the Knicks in seven. Also because like Derrick Rose in like the last five to six games, he's averaging like sixteen points off the bench. So they have. They also have people that are hungry. Like they have people that are hungry to win and like when you play for the Knicks and like Brian said basketball is good when the Knicks are winning so when you have people that are on the Knicks and you have a team like the Knicks who want to like be the underdog team and they want to win like the Heat last year and they're well disciplined so 
like I feel like they can they can make a strong case and make a strong push for like to show like they can hang in this league sort of like the Suns like uh, last season in the playing tournament they were showing people like yo you guys got to respect us now and I feel like the Knicks are on their way to doing that. No, I just res- I respect the Knicks. I respect man. I just cause they got all my Kentucky players balling out there, man. You feel me? You got <laughs> everyone. Of course, especially the rookie IQ. Oof. I, I like y'all answers, but I'm. I, I see. I'm, I'm. I'm super realistic when it comes to my squads. So I'm. I'm already. I'm assuming Trey Young comes back by t- like by time the playoffs start. By time that first round will start, mm-hmm. and John Collins just came back from injury himself, and I think Bogdanovich uh, is healthy still too. So I feel like I. I, I, I wouldn't be too sure about that. Like I said, right, I'm who, not. Uh, who, who do you who do you think has who? So who's going to be given the task of? I mean, obviously, Derrick Rose is going to be guarding Trey Young. You don't think he'd do a good job at you know making things difficult for him? They they throw they would throw Alfred Pay, Alfred Payton. If need be, maybe uh, have RJ switch out to him. Who also we got to give him props today too. He put up twenty five and twelve. He had a great game, but uh, the, RJ really been locking in defensively. So I think I, I like that as far as like because the Hawks are a great perimeter squad. And he he's six seven, long arms, mobile. He's able to guard the perimeter and, and close out onto those shooters like Kevin Herter and Bogdanovich. So I could, I could see us matching up well with them. But my my main thing is uh, John Collins and Capella. I feel like they'd be too much for us down low, especially since we have uh, Mitch Robinson out. And knows Noel has been playing fantastic defense uh, this year. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think we would have the depth to keep up with them throughout a seven-game series in the front court, per se. Mm. All right. Wow, the Knicks fans being realistic. So, but I feel I'm. Just, I just like how the Knicks are playing. Like I watched Julius Randle play, and I said, "Man, who's gonna stop this guy? Like, who's stopping?" For sure. Like, all right. But but putting that aside, so uh, we're gonna make a transition. Uh, we're gonna still basketball, still in the NBA. But Mar, uh, Mar, Mar brought up a real interesting conversation. I want you to throw it out, Mar, because I feel like it's really interesting. Like, throw it out, Mar. Okay, so. You know, so you know, um, the Nets they have, they have three people that can put up thirty a game, and but right now they only have two people. Right, well, Kevin Durant's still up, but you know when he comes back they'll have Kyrie and Kevin Durant. And I was gonna ask you guys, with those two that can put up thirty-five to forty a game, um, just like Elgin Baylor and Jerry West, they never won a championship together. They won right after Elgin Baylor retired. So Jerry, so Jerry West finished one and eight, and Elgin Baylor finished um oh oh and eight. So they have seventeen finals appearances together, and they both average thirty five. Do you do you, I'm I'm gonna ask you guys. Do you think Kyrie and Kevin Durant, if they were to average thirty five now, do you see them winning a championship? Like, is scoring all it takes to win the championship this year for the Nets? Ooh. <laughs> To, to clarify, more El- Elgin and uh, Jerry, they put up thirty-five each. I think Jerry put up. I think Jerry was putting up like thirty-two, and Elgin was putting up like thirty-five. To be all right, fair, all right, got you, got you. So, damn, and they only got one chip at it. That's depressing. Wait, they don't even have one chip. Elgin well, barely yeah. retired. Oh wait, right, right, right. So Jerry got Jerry, that's depressing. That's but the- um, anyway, with a team like that. And I feel like as balanced as they are, and they have like a lot of how, how do I put this? They have I feel like the Nets depth, even with Kyrie and Kevin Durant. And that in that case, they'd probably really 
be focusing primarily on scoring, only scoring. But they have a lot of guys that fill into those other roles, like Joe Harris. He could also shoot too when Kyrie or K KD's on the bench. Um, Timothy Luawu uh, Cabro, he, he turned into a better shooter this season, but he, he's also a good defender too. Then you got guys like DeAndre Jordan and um, Jeff Green who can do a little bit of everything, and DeAndre Jordan's down there on the boards. And I, with a team like that, bro, I don't, I don't see them. I don't see a lot of teams lasting a seven-game series with them if, if two guys like KD and Kyrie are putting up 30, 30 plus points a game each. Like that, that's really hard. And to a team, to do that to a team in the playoffs, that's got to be really demoralized. I don't see a team mentally getting through that either. Like, yo, we're letting these two guys average, put up 30, 30 plus each on us. Like, I don't, I don't think that'll sit right with a lot of teams. I don't think a lot of teams would know how to respond to that or even bounce back to that, considering the teams they'd probably be playing in the playoffs today that's at the bottom of the barrel. Well, so, I, I mean, okay, so now, so, all right, so now, so. So now you look at the defense uh, uh, of the league now. So obviously the defense can't compare it to back in the day, obviously, because, you know, hand checking, everything now, it allows like, like I've constantly said before, I mean, like if Larry Bird was in this era, he'd probably be averaging like, you know, if Gilbert Arenas was in, the, like especially Gilbert Arenas, I feel like if he was in this era, you guys know how Agent Zero went down, Hibachi. You oh, know, for sure. For sure. Every 35 to 40, you know, and uh, Kobe, even though he retired in 2016, the game didn't really make that full transition until probably maybe. At, no, it did. Maybe 2015, but maybe probably at, right. Like, right at the end of his career, exactly, like right there, right, yeah. exactly right at the end of his career. So I take that into consideration. And then I say, man, I mean, the way in the deep, I'm not to say the defense now is would you guys say the defense now is horrible? Like, would you say it's horrible? I don't want to say the defense is horrible now. It's definitely not as good as as it was before because the game's not as physical as it was before. You can't be as physical. And that's why it's impressive a team like the Knicks is such a great defensive team like that this year with the physical limitations that they're able to, to, to have during a game. So when you when you see teams play like that now, we call it boring because we're, we're used to seeing teams shoot 33s a game and like just keep an up-tempo, fast pace, and run a lot of pick and rolls and stuff like that and just get up and down. And because that's the way a lot of teams play, it's just it, it's just hard for defenses like all around the league to keep up with that consistently. Like it, it's, a, it's a select few, like the Sixers are up there, the Bucks are up there that can contain that type of play like consistently throughout a season. But a lot of teams really can't do that yet. So I, I want to say the defense is like bad, but I would say the offense is just better. Okay, Mars. So what was so so? Is, I, I I really that really opened my eyes a little bit more, Kyrie. I mean, Mars. Like, what's your like? You think like you feel the same way, Kyrie? Is you feel a little bit different, Mar? About um the defense. Yeah, the defense in the league now because this is gonna be what the, what determines my answer. I mean, I don't think defense is praised enough anymore. Like, I don't think people praise defense enough for it to be that much respected. And plus, like you said, and plus, like Kyrie said. I mean, the offense is just better, but at the same time, I don't think people really praise defense. I think, I think people just heard the expression: "This game is all about buckets," and they—that's what everybody just wants to do. They just want to score, so people don't really like feel the need to play a hundred percent defense. They just feel like they can get by with just you know contesting the jump shot very late or just trying to stay in front of somebody and just score on the other end. I mean, honestly, looking at some of these uh, games the past four days. They're hitting over 250, 260. It's like 2K. Yeah. It's, it's because we, we have a lot more. Like we have way more, uh, way, we have way more prolific scores in like this era of basketball than we've, we've ever seen. 
Like, you got a lot of guys that, like, that there aren't necessarily all-stars, like, in the league now. But if they were to be – if they were in the league, like, 10, 15 years ago, they'd probably be all-star. Or they'd probably be one of the best scorers of their generation just because the game was slower and it was it was probably more adept to their play style. Like, you, you see it all the time. We, we see guys like Jalil Okafor, who was the man in high school, who was a man in college. But when he got to the NBA – the game kind of the game kind of surpassed his abilities, and we say we, we said on the show me me and Lash say all the time if he were drafted in like 1992 he'd be the best player like one of the best players of all time. Just that's just because that that era suited his game. Man, all right, you know what? That's completely fair. I want to I want to go back to Mars' question. I want to deviate from that. I mean, well, so from Mars' answer, I would say Kyrie and KD would probably have more than one chip. Honestly, because just from the what Mar had told me, and also taking Kyrie's conclusion, it's like that. Like, yeah, everyone wants to be a scorer now. Not to say everyone wants to be a scorer. Majority of the players now, and what Kyrie says, a lot more you know prolific scorers than it ever was. Is like honestly, Kyrie and KD could they even reach? Could they even average thirty five in a season together? And then including James Harden too, can any one of them average thirty five in a season, Mar? Yeah. All three together? You know these guys are high scoring. No, ball. not all three together. I thought you meant like one. Oh, yeah. Well, one of them, I don't know. Just one itself is a stretch because like every single one of them is ball dominant. Nah, I still don't think so. And I, I still even think it'd be a stretch if if both of them, if, if, if even two of them, whether like whatever combination, what, KD, James Harden, Kyrie, KD, whichever. <laughs> even them dropping 35 a game, like each – like to average that, like throughout a playoffs or throughout a, like a series, like I feel like that'd be really hard just because at that point, a lot of them games would be blowouts and they'd be sitting on the bench. Exactly. Like if you, if they really do that, it, it's just better be like a dominant W. Like, no, like, I mean, Mar, I mean, so this is your question. Like, do you think like those guys can really? Well, I mean, I've seen all three of them put up over what 25 in the Cavaliers and lose back to back. <laughs> My man brought the L. He said, we're going to bring up the L, though. So I'm going to be honest because it happened. No, it happened. So, so the L, so if so, we're going to, you know, emphasize that L. Do you think that would be the L that, you know, that happens to them in, you know, in the playoffs in the future, too? They they could average, you know, 20, 35 points, but still take the L? I mean, no. yeah, because, I mean, I think one game, I don't think a series, like, I don't think a series – I don't think it happens like consistently in a series, like back to back games that all have thirty five and lose. Like it could be just that one game where it's just them three scoring. Like it's just them three, but it's in it's like one of those games where one or two of them is very uh, inefficient with it, but it's still over twenty five. It's still twenty five to thirty, but it's very inefficient. So they're basically just getting to the free throw line. So it's slowly, you know, getting their buckets. Now I would see, and I'm glad you said that because, like, the efficiency of it. Now, I, there's no no way in my mind it, there would be even. I don't know. Averaging 35, their their field goal percentage can't be higher than 43 percent. Honestly, I really don't. For or at least over 44, I don't see it even. Like you, you see that, Kyrie? You see that even? <laughs> nah, not necessarily. Because at that point, like between the two of them, they'd be putting up a lot of shots. So like, there and, would be no movement. Like it would, there would be no movement. It would be like watching like a AAU basketball. Oh yeah, for real. Everybody else just stands to the side, letting every like letting the one guy just exactly. have his way with the defense. Like they can't win like that. So, 
I mean, yeah. I mean, no, I don't, Mar. I really no. That that's my answer to uh, I mean to your question. No, don't. It's, for me, it's it, for me. It's just hard to say because Elgin and Jerry did it, and um, I'm I'm pretty sure they probably lost their, themselves. Their, their era was so different, so I, I and, like it's so hard to I, make that distinction. And, and I'm saying, no, they probably lost all those times to the Celtics, who were like one of the most dominant teams of that, the most dominant team of that generation. And not to mention, there wasn't even a three point line back then. The three point line had come in until like, I think the 79 season. So, like, given that and the, the talent factor compared, like, compared today to, to then, those two guys probably had to put up 35 points a game to, to even have a chance in winning the championship. Where guys like Kyrie and KD or James Harden and Kyrie, however you want to put it, they don't need. I don't think they necessarily need to. But if they were to, they'd uh, I, they, they'd have some championships under their belt. They'd have a couple of rings. I mean, okay, that's some, that's some pretty fair. That's fair. I like I, I like both the answers because I see where y'all coming from. No, that's big facts, man. So, but. That concludes episode 36 of the Restricted Zone podcast. And um, thanks a lot for our listeners and uh, our viewers who follow us on Instagram, you know, who follow us on Apple or Spotify or any uh, type of streaming platform that we use to promote um, our podcast. And like I said, this is a, a sports podcast, but we will touch on any social injustice that happens around the world. We are young African-American men and we feel strongly towards whatever is being done to our own kind. But thanks a lot for you guys sticking with us for the ride so far. We really appreciate it. We don't take it for granted at all. And like I said, uh, this definitely made me want to go harder uh, with the podcast even more because time, you know, nothing is ever guaranteed in life. So uh, we want to thank you guys for listening to us and thank you, Mar and Kyrie and thankful for the guys that, you know, that usually are on the episodes with us day in and day out too. So, I mean, appreciate you guys. Uh, follow sure, us. sure, absolutely. So, follow us on Instagram at restricted zone pie. You can each and follow us individually too. And you know, ask us any questions or what topics would you guys like for us to cover, and we will get to it. Uh, thank you. Have a great day. Stay blessed and live your life to the fullest, guys. <laughs>